Puka Nakua is Samoan for Jerry Rice. <laughs> and yo, yo, what is going on? 32-bit Sleeper Wire Nation. It is your boy Natter alongside the number one Austrian analyst. Sheen, how you doing over there? I wasn't expecting to laugh at that. That was that was quite, quite funny. I enjoyed it. It's I really true. enjoyed it. Actually. It's, it's a nice family-friendly piece of material. It's true. Like I like I don't know what to tell you. Matthew Stafford and wide receiver one is just a match made in heaven. And uh, right now you just uh, ride it until Cooper Cup comes back. He's got that uh, ADHD hyperfixation. He, he, he really does. Whoever's his number one receiver. And there's no such thing as a number two receiver with Matthew Stafford. So once Cooper Cup comes back, if he hyperfixates on Cup, that's it. That's it. Nukua, he, he's back to the shadow realm. Yeah. If... um. You know, if you're not the number one, he thinks you're number two. And nobody likes number two. No, I wouldn't mind. Wouldn't mind having one. It's been a rough old no. week in my house. Um, what do I, I wasn't going to start here because I've got some, got some other stuff to talk about this week. But what are you doing with Puka? Are you trying to fob him off in a league to a guy who doesn't know better before Cup comes back? I think you should. You You can try to do so. If you own Cooper Cup, then no, you should keep him. Actually, yeah, you should probably keep him. That way, one, best of both worlds. Because with Cup, I just feel like he'd just re-aggravate that injury. That's the risk, isn't it? I think, like, if you have him, you might as well... Uh, I don't know. If you get a ridiculous offer for him, I'd be trading him. But if you have him, you might as well hold him. You're certainly holding him in Dynasty. Yes, yes. Because one Cup isn't going to last forever. No. And unfortunately, unfortunately, Cooper Cup's not going to last forever. But at the same time, you always want to try to give yourself the best chance to succeed depth-wise. So one, just in case an injury happens. Two, bye weeks. And Puka can be a phenomenal bye week kind of plug and play, especially if you still see him being semi-utilized in that offense. Have you got him in any leagues? No, to be honest, I made zero waiver wire moves the past like two weeks, mm-hmm. so I am all out on him. I picked him up in a couple of them, and thought, no, nah, fuck it, I'll just start him. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, and uh, you know, kudos to anybody that picked him up and started him. I know I wouldn't have, especially against the Niners' defense. But uh, hey, you had the kind of honest to do so. Uh, nice job to you. But I feel like he kind of balled out on a lot of people's benches. I was worried about the ninety at uh, the nineties. <laughs> I, I was worried about the nineties. I was worried about the Niners' defense, but I thought with that hyperfixation on him, he's at least going to get targets, and they're going to probably be playing from behind. I don't think anyone expected it to be quite the shootout that it ended up being, but I figured he'd probably get his anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you would think like either either he eats and it's a close game. Or he, they get blown out and they start throwing the ball. And during garbage time, he picks up some nice catches and yards. Yeah. So right now, I looked at the trade market. For trades that have gone down with Puka involved, I would like you to tell me whether you would do it or not. Let's do it. Uh, this is a 101. Puka for Josh Jacobs. Probably taking Josh Jacobs. Yeah, okay. This might be a little dramatic. And uh, I would like to be involved in this league. Puka... 101 for Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase. Yes, hey, somebody I mean, now the, the had Puka. Rough, but Jamar Chase looked rough. Yeah. Uh, Puka and Jonathan Taylor. Probably taking Puka. Yeah, probably taking Puka on that one. Uh, Puka for Brees Hall. I'm gonna take Brees Hall. I think I'd rather have Brees. Ah. I don't know. Brees Hall does not. He's one. He's not happy. And two, that offense 
doesn't look that great. We'll come to Brees Hall. Yeah, we'll talk about Brees Hall later. Yep. Uh, Puka and Alvin Kamara for Mark Andrews. Puka and Alvin Kamara. Yeah, I think I'd rather have Puka and Alvin Kamara. I mean, usually we say if you're the was if you're the one getting one, you win that trade. Yes, Lamar but I would good. trade. That yeah. offense is looking better. He and Andrews back on the same page. I think the Kamara element does it for me. Yeah, like I would do Puka one on one for Mark Andrews, and I would do Mark Andrews one on one for Kamara. But I mean, if you include Puka and Kamara, then uh, I think I'd rather have those two. Uh, there's a Puka and Ramon J. Stevenson for a Austin Eckler. I probably want Eckler. I probably want Eckler. Now, I think this is the most fair one. I think this is the most even one. I, Puka yeah. 101 for... No, uh, oh, the one sorry. I'm about to come up with. Puka 101 for Jer- Jerome Ford. I, I'd probably go Puka. Yeah, I'd probably go Puka. But if I was a... Chubb owner, I think I would sell Puka to get a starting RB again. I guess it depends on... This is such a cop-out. I guess it depends on the rest of your roster. Like, if you're going to start one of them and not start the other, then I'd probably go with Puka because the range of outcomes seems less variable. Like, he, he seems like he's got a flaw. Ford looked all right i thought monday night um, he looked pretty good i like him i think he's I'd... you know a fumble away or two or losing that role to pierre strong or kareem hunt or that, that situation is going to be fluid they will add another running back whether it's trading for acres whether it's adding kareem hunt somebody else they who, will add another running back to that roster who do you think they bring in do you think they just bring back hunt familiarity I with think the offense th- it makes the most sense. And Hunt did look pretty decent in that offense. So I feel like it just it makes too much sense for it not to happen. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I, while we're talking about it, Cam Akers, is he going anywhere? Do you care? I don't think a team takes him. And whatever team he goes to, he's just going to end up mucking up that running back room as well. Yep. Yeah, I think if he landed in maybe maybe Buffalo, that's a win. I kind of like the the running back room Buffalo has right now. I'd rather him not muck that up either. Yep. And he he's not the best locker room guy. He's already complaining. I mean, he's not. He's still on his rookie contract. He's still complaining about timeshare, his injuries, getting the ball more. Yeah, yeah. I don't think any worthwhile team is going to take him. Yeah, I mean that's the issue, isn't it? If they're trying to get rid of him because uh, he doesn't fit the the ethos that they have there. It's hard to see him going anywhere else. But as we know, football talent trumps locker room presence or anything else, really. So, Does he really have talent? I think so. We've, we've seen him be a pretty good running back in the NFL. Like he's, he's had his injury problems. You're not bringing him in to be the one if you are trading for him. And I guess if you're not bringing him in to be the one, why are you trading for him at all? I... Unless they get like a pick swap in the seventh round, I think they're going to cut him and he'll be picked up somewhere. It sounds like the Ravens thing to do to get him. Maybe Ravens, maybe the Colts. Colts could be a team. Um, the Bucks. Ravens, maybe. Buccaneers, Broncos. Broncos would be an interesting one. Um,. I don't think the Chargers are set behind Eckler. Chargers already have one disgruntled running back in Eckler. I don't think they need a second one. Yeah, I think you're probably right there. Should we go yeah. on to uh, some justifiable overreactions before we, Hit me with we jump into the meat of the episode? I struggled, I struggled a bit with these this week. Because, you know, I come up, yeah. I come up with these. I do some thinking. Um, yeah. And, you know, we usually want them to be fantasy relevant, but they're, they're a bit more NFL relevant this year. The Chargers need to fire Brandon Staley now before it's too late to save this season. It's such a weird situation. Yes, I would like them to just fire Brandon Staley. 
he is a defensive-minded coach who can't stop a nosebleed on the defensive side. And, I mean, Justin Herbert has played good football. Maybe not the best, but he's played enough to win both of those games that they lost. They should have won this one. They had the ball. They needed to go 25, 30 yards with 90 seconds on the clock, and they kicked a field goal. They played slow. They played for overtime, I think, with a more aggressive coach. And you could say this is as much on Kellen Moore as it is Brandon Staley, but I think with a more aggressive head coach, you're going for the end zone. Don't put it in the hands of the football gods and go to overtime. You know, he was very aggressive early on in his career with the, uh, the head coaches of the Colts. He, he consistently went for it on fourth down in moments where even I was like, wow, this is incredibly aggressive. Hmm. All of a sudden, I feel like he's playing a lot more conservative. I don't know if he's playing scared, he's playing worried, or maybe he's not in control. Kellen Moore's the one who called the, the, the lack of or the aggressiveness on the play calling, and uh, it, it just kind of leaked. And maybe Kellen Moore's just trash, and we don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's a good chance that's the case. I think it's a maybe a philosophical thing. I think if that's your your belief as a an organization that you play conservative, you win in overtime. I don't. I was watching it going nuts. The Chargers probably should have won that game. They didn't deserve to win it after they finished off that game. Yes, it's difficult to score in the NFL, but they just played bad, conservative, dumb football. They have every asset that a team should have to go and win the Super Bowl. Yet, we don't talk about them as contenders. Not even in the same way you go, well, the Bengals or the Bills or, or someone who's genuinely challenging the Chiefs. They've just got... Like, I can't imagine a more wasteful team than maybe that San Francisco team that had the best offense and defense and then didn't make the playoffs, whenever that was with Drew Brees or Phillip Rivers. San Francisco team... With Drew Brees? San, San Diego. Oh, okay, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, th- this roster has an all-pro or pro bowl in every positional group. Hmm. Like quarterback, all-pro. Keenan Allen, all-pro. You know, you know. Oh, side note, I think their issue is, is they have Mike Williams on the roster. I feel like if they got rid of him, they would just immediately become a better team. I, I think the fact that... No, he did. So I think that if they were to get rid of him then it would stop the hindrance on offense where they feel like they need to get him the football. And it's a waste of time getting him the football. Just get it to somebody that's better. Just give it to Keenan Allen or Eckler. It's better. It's better for you. Anyway, positional group, they, like offensive line, they got a good offensive lineman. They got, you know, Keenan Allen. They got, on the defensive side, they got, you know, Mack. They got a Bosa. They got GC, uh, JC Jackson. They got Darwin uh, Darwin James. They got... Yep. They got weapons. It, it, like the the Rams have an elite defense with Aaron Donald by himself. Like mm. you, the, there's no reason the Chargers shouldn't have a top five defense with a top five answers. Zero reason. I can't give you one reason why they don't. There's no cohesion to the team, and nobody no, looks at them and goes, "Well, the Chargers should be good." It's just the char- This is who the Chargers are. It's the Chargers will always be the char- always be the Chargers the same way the Browns will always be the Browns. I don't know. I don't think it's an ownership thing. I know people don't like Dean Spanos and his uh, the Spanos family necessarily, but you've got to bring someone in. Bring someone in who's going to make the most of that team. I think. I think they need an experienced coach. You can't just pluck one of those off the shelf, an experienced, successful coach. But that's who they need. They need someone who's going to come in and change the energy of the place. You got, a, you got any uh, potential listers? No, I was hoping you wouldn't ask me that. Um, nah. th- this is Deion the Sanders, this. baby. <laughs> Deion Sanders. It, it's maybe not as... I really hope he doesn't end up as an NFL coach. He's, he's bound to, but... No, no, he won't. No. He's, he's got that college mindset. You know, when he when you try to motivate people like the way he does, it, it doesn't work with people that are grown and making a lot of money. That works for, like, college and high school type of stuff. I mean, we saw that with... Um, Urban Meyer, didn't we? Yeah. It just doesn't work. Doug Peterson. Like, he's not going to leave the Jags, but he would be a perfect candidate for the Chargers. Yes. Yes, I would like that. Um, but that That's who you're looking for. Um, Bruce Arians. He could be a candidate. I just don't think he would. No, he's he wouldn't. Like, you want to see them with someone who's been around the block, someone with experience. Uh, but you... You're not going to pry one of them out of a team, so... No, no. Um, right. That's it. Second one. 
Najee Harris is a modern Trent Richardson. Nah, you know, I was thinking about that last night, watching him run into the offensive line, run after run after run, and then he broke a 20-yard run. You're like, see, look, this is what he can do. And then seven carries later for eight yards, you realize, yeah, maybe he's just trash. That line doesn't help him, but he's not a great player. No, I don't know what happened. I mean, he had a semi-decent rookie year. All targets, man. That's what we've been saying the whole time. It's all... All his fantasy value is in targets. They're not targeting him at the moment. But you're right. He, he gets so many negative runs. Some of that's on the line. Maybe a lot of that's on the line. But Warren doesn't look that bad. That didn't look as bad. He had more consistent runs hmm. than Najee Harris. And uh, Najee Harris, I don't think he'll. Uh, I don't think he'll last that much longer. No, I don't think so either. And that's annoying because he's one of my running backs in a league where I need to win wow um, yes maybe he's in two of them I can't remember he's at least in one um, the Browns will be picking in the top five this year that's devastating to say I don't think that's a overreaction at all yeah I think it's very justifiable I mean who, who are we looking at it'll be the Cardinals the Giants the Jets the Browns the Bears Bear, bear, oh god, we could talk about the Bears for a while. I was gonna put a Justin Fields one in here. Do you think they're regretting? I don't yes. think they're regretting not not taking a different quarterback. Yes. Regret everything. Anything Justin Fields related should be just regret. I just don't think they're using him to the best advantage. That's the problem. No, I think he just sucks and can't use any advantage. That um, those clips of him taking forever read the field. He can't. He he just can't read the field. And even when he does, he's still wrong. I know. I know. There's of the clips circulating Twitter and social media of of that one wheel route ran by the running back, and he's butt naked wide open. And and the fact that there's three other routes on that play that are open that he doesn't hit, and he runs into the offensive line and takes a sack. But the, the, you know what? I can give him a pass on that one because because. It's a not a well-designed play to the point where where all those reads happen at the same time. So if you miss one, you miss them all. Mm. I can give him a pass on that. It was just, it, you know, it, he just happened to have a butt-naked, wide-open running back. Um, it, but, but it was a poorly designed play. It's just every other designed play is just horribly ran by him. He refused, like, like you, you see, like, for example, Jimmy Garoppolo. He threw that in route with precision and preciseness, and th- he threw it in route whenever he wanted to, right? Yep. And there's a plethora of other receivers that consistently run one route very good. Like, for example, Michael Thomas runs a phenomenal slant route. Slant boy. Uh, Justin Jefferson runs a phenomenal crossing route, and Kirk Cousins consistently hits them on crossing routes for chunk gains. And um, Brandon IU consistently on backside in routes. Uh, I'm trying to think of, like, other ones. Like uh, uh, George Pickens and the back shoulder fade. Hmm. Uh, so some guys just have a thing. And smart yeah, coaches, thing. smart tacticians make the most of that. They don't say, Michael Thomas runs a really great slant, so we want him to be an all-around great player. So we're going to only have him run screens or fades or outs or whatever it is. You know, you go, how often can we get the ball in the hands of this guy in the slant where he is going to win? How can we give our team the best opportunity to win? I think that's the issue with fields is yes he's limited but they don't do anything to make it easier for him i think the patriots do the same with mac jones they ask him to do things he can't do and he looks shit yikes that one i was gonna leave i was gonna leave mac jones out of it just because i feel like one he needs a receiver i think he's played okay these first two games he's definitely played better than last season but Again, they're not making it hard for him. It's like you're jumping into a video jumping into a video game. Let's say you're jumping into Dark Souls, you've never played it before, and you're playing it yeah, on the hardest difficulty. Well, see, there's no difficulties in Dark Souls. It's just get wrecked. Well, th- there you go. I've never yes. played I've never I've never played Dark Souls, but that's it. It's like you can adja- adapt what you do to help your people learn, help your people improve and improve gradually. If you're asking Justin Fields to survey the field like he's Tom Brady, and be able to run, then what's the point of that? His weapon is his running. Get him to run the fucking ball 20 times a game. If you don't believe in him as a passer, you're going to get rid of him anyway. 
it's, like it's horrendous. Man. It's horrendous the way he refuses to throw. He he. It's challenging. It's talent the way he refuses to throw to the open receiver. He could see it. You could see like the pinstripes on his head. He's looking in that direction, and then he just refuses to do it. It's because it's pretty crazy. You look at his receivers as well. DJ he has some talent. He has some talent on the receiver side. Like DJ Moore is a good receiver. Yeah, Chase Claypool has the ability. Chase Claypool has the ability to get open, and there are more than one occasion where he has gotten open, and he just like throw the goddamn ball. Yeah, no, um, like DJ Moore gets open. Darnell Mooney gets open. It's not like he has, I don't know, late stage Julio Jones out there who can't get open. Uh. Yeah, yeah, it's it's hard to talk about Justin Fields because I'll go on Twitter and then people will justify it, and it's just it's. If it, I know, I understand fantasy football is an aspect, right? And running quarterbacks always get elevated because rushing rushing yards are just much more valuable. Yeah, and he's a phenomenal fantasy football aspect, but God, when you watch him from the NFL aspect, it's such, it's 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 worse than Daniel Jones and ja, uh, Zach Wilson. I think it might be worse than Zach Wilson. Wilson's so fucking bad. Yes, but see, Wilson has an excuse. He played the Bills and the Cowboys. Yeah. uh, Justin Fields doesn't have that excuse. No. No, he doesn't. But this is, you know, you say football, uh, fantasy football is different to real football. You're very correct. Yes. Justin Fields' value in fantasy football is because he runs. And he's not running this year. He's not running. They're just not running it. And, you know, 75 yards in... Fantasy football is the same as 75 yards in football. Like, yep. get him to run the fucking ball. And the worst part is, is like, it's also play calling where it's an issue where the first drive of the game, he has a rushing touchdown in. Yeah. I think that was one of the only other times he ran the ball. Yep. And to, I, I don't care. I'm not saying, like, he needs to run the ball from a fantasy perspective. Like, whatever. I, I'm saying he needs to run the ball from a playing attractive football, playing successful football giving this kid who's worked at everything in his life to get to this point the chance to actually succeed because it sucks it sucks for players who give their everything to get to the nfl some of them just aren't good enough that's absolutely fine like there's not enough players there's not enough good players in the nfl to go around and that's why spring football sucks the other element is you work so hard and you end up in a scheme where you can't succeed and that fucking sucks it sucks for those kids it sucks for those men who are coming into the system and want to make a career out of this and they're stuck being told or being asked to do things they can't do like look at dk metcalf i think is a perfect example in his draft year everyone say oh, he only runs the three s routes like screens slants and uh streaks that's fine he does those things very very well and you know what they do they built a scheme that allows him to do those things and he's better at them than most people because he's bigger he's stronger and he's faster you put him on a different team and they're asking him to do all sorts of stuff and go well he can't block that well or he he can't run a uh, he can't run a, a i don't know a curl or he can't run this or he can't run an out because he doesn't cut off his routes fast enough why are you asking him to do that it just it, it really fucking frustrates me i don't know why i didn't realize i was so upset about this until right now it, it because it just doesn't make sense maybe maybe he just doesn't do anything well that, that that's a very fair point is that yeah. You know, we, we just started looking at like college dimensions on the football field that made a huge difference, and that I didn't really realize because I almost never watch college football, mm. almost never, and just because it's Deion Sanders, I decided to watch Deion Sanders play college. And the hash marks, I never really realized how much it's so wide. it, how yeah, exactly how much it really changes the football field uh, from a strategy strategical standpoint than it does. Uh, after consistently watching it throughout that game. And, God, it's just the cheat code. And now I, I see it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and right now, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, it's just another in the laundry list of Ohio State quarterbacks who can't make it in the NFL. And it's the scheme consistently uh, covers up the faults that NFL players can expose on a consistent, blaze, consistent uh, basis. And they I mean the Niners they cut bait on their bad bad whiff of a quarterback. Hmm. If the Bears are smart, they'd probably do the same. Yeah. And I think Fields could go somewhere else and be successful. Like I if don't. He, if he gets the opportunity to 
the other thing I think that's important about the college scheme uh, in this situation is that you know you have such a short window with these guys that the coaches have a philosophy they want to play and they go and find guys that that fit that scheme that doesn't seem to happen as much in the NFL no like you sort of do but it's not as pronounced very specific coaches will do that and I feel like the Seahawks are one of the only teams on the top of my head that I feel like they can them and the Steelers when they draft wide receivers yep they are this exactly what we're looking for anyway that's a that's a good good Justin Fields chat yeah yeah I, I, I strongly despise Justin Fields not because of him as a person he looks like a phenomenal he looks like a very nice guy yeah terrible football very player. nice man um, I wanted to talk about waivers let's hear and, and not so much the actual reality of you know who to pick up and whatever do you, how many Fab leagues do you play in? Three. How do you how do you go? Do you have a strategy? No, honestly, it's it's as need basis for me. And uh, to be honest, I I this I feel like I need to reevaluate my strategy because usually it's oh you know I'll save it for the end of the year. An emergency is going to happen, and then I'll need it. And you know I need the Fab where other people don't. I feel like a lot of the times I end up just uh, not using the fab because nobody ends up coming up that I want, and then yep. uh, I, I just I just have fab at the end of the year. Yep, I've I've done that as well. Um, sometimes I've saved it up and you know bid on players so the people I were playing at the end of the year couldn't bid on them. Yeah, that's that's been a legitimate tactic. I want to talk to you about bidding strategy though, and that's here. I've called this this segment. It's not really a segment. So it's not going to come back. Sheehan's waiver theory. Okay. The theory is this. People like round numbers. Ooh. So, 5, 10, 15, 20, etc. When you're bidding on a player, you bid a round number plus 3, and you'll get that player nearly every time, provided you valued them properly. Uh, give me an example. So, one of my leagues, Pukunakua got him for 28. There were bids from 8 other people, uh, I think three of them were round numbers, so 20, 24... Uh, sorry. They were mostly round numbers, so 15, 20, 25. Three bids. Is 25 a round number? Not really, but in terms of, like, a, you look at something and, and go, that's a that's an acceptable number. Because I think the human brain likes to think in, in regular intervals. Yeah. So, most of the bids were that round number a couple of bids come in for 16 21 26 because people are yeah. like well i'm gonna go round number plus one yes round number plus three you get your guy every time i've done it the three waiver runs this year and got it every time got my guy Provi- yeah. provided you value them properly yeah, I, I don't disagree with that logic. I think it works very well. Yeah, basically. And then you, you build in that bonus. I know you can sort of start to think, well, hang on, if if I'm going plus three, then what if someone goes plus four? And what if someone goes plus five? That's how an auction works. But you get the, you get that right. You're going to get your guy, I reckon, nine times out of ten. Because people think in those round numbers, you go, well, I'll bid 25, he's worth... You know, whenever you, you hear waiver advice on, on other lesser fantasy shows, oh, it's 35% of your budget, 75% of your budget, any of those sorts the of things. The hell? Like, I, don't, I hate that. So, you just, you, you bid. Bid, and then add a, add a little bit of, add a little bit of tax on top. Garnish, garnish your bid a little bit. And then, you're good. There we go. I, I can't disagree with that advice. Now, speaking of waiver advice. Hmm. Did you know Jordan Love right now is QB1? I didn't know that. That makes think, sense. Like, He's looked real good. Actually, it depends which league you're in. Right now, the one I'm looking at is a six-point per touchdown passing. Maybe that's cheating. I should look at a different league. Now I feel the need to do it. I'm checking real fast. Actually, it might be Russell Wilson now. That's Kirk Cousins in the one I'm looking at. Oh, wait, no. Sorry. I have to. I switched it to available players. It's uh, Kirk, Love, Herbert, Mahomes, Wilson to a uh, yep, yep, Ma- yep, yep, Mac, Mac. Dad. Yeah, yeah. It's actually a uh, Cousins Love. That's crazy. Mm. Cousins Love. What is this? The South. Haha. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go, baby. Got him. 
Um, I thought that being two weeks into the season, we should look at guys who've had one up week and one down week and talk about which which one of these is the real version okay. of this player. Because we now, we now have some data. It's hard to extrapolate. You can extrapolate some of Christian McCaffrey averaging 21 points through two weeks. That's fine. That's good. But if you're in a position this week where maybe you're 0-2, and you need to get off the schneid. Maybe you're 2-0 and you want to keep that run going. Like, what are you doing with DeAndre Swift, for argument's sake? So, week one, one attempt, three yards, zero touchdowns, one reception, zero yards, for a grand total of 0.8 fantasy points. Weekly finish at the RB77. This week, 28 attempts, 175 yards, and a touchdown, three receptions for six yards, zero touchdown for 25.6 points is the RB2. It's difficult to judge a running back in a crowded backfield. Correct. So, for example, uh, Gainwell, he couldn't play. He missed. And right now the status of him is unknown. He's, he's not a bad runner. He's not hmm. that bad. But he was the lead guy week one. Week two, he's gone. Swift is the lead back. Technically, he's the lead back. But guess what? They have Boston Scott. That should have been a three-headed monster. Boston Scott happened to leave the game with a concussion, leaving only Swift and Penny in. And Penny whiffed on a couple pass-blocking protections, and we never saw him for the rest of the game. Yep. Uh, I mean, uh, right now I'm looking. I mean, right now he's in concussion protocol still, Boston Scott. But, I mean... If he, if he stays out, then you're probably starting DeAndre Swift. Yeah, absolutely. But what about... I mean, we're talking... It is difficult, you're right. When you, you've you got a, a running back in a crowded backfield, sometimes it's their week, sometimes it's their not. What's your, exactly. What's your trust factor with someone like DeAndre not, Swift? Not high. Not high. Like, if I could get rid of DeAndre Swift, I would like to get rid of DeAndre Swift. Is he high enough to start? Is he... He, you could put him in your flex. And, you know, of course, running back injuries happened, and there's there's a bunch of them. If your leg isn't pointing in the right direction, like Chubb, if your ankle isn't feeling nice, like Eckler, or if you're Saquon Barkley with a high ankle sprain playing on a Thursday night, you know, Swift is probably going in your fantasy lineup, not because you want to, but because you currently have to. Hmm. Um, like for example, right now, like Swift, he isn't he isn't the highest on the trust factor. Like on a scale of one to ten, I'm going about six. I think that's six is starting Be, because of last week he looked so good that I feel like it would just it just be so stupid of the Eagles to not give him at least fifteen touches. I guess that's where we're going with this this segment in a sense is that he looked good can you trust him to get more work to maintain that maybe not maintain exactly that usage of 28 carries or whatever it is but you know they're playing the bucks this week they should be in advance you know they should be playing from ahead it's monday night football that does give gainwell more time to recover it does give boston scott more time to recover but you know will you can you can you trust him? Can you see it happening again? No, no. He's not getting 28, 28 carries and three receptions, 31 touches. So he's not. It's, it's not happening at a Swift. Like your best bet is to see if you could try to maximize his value with a trade. Yep. But realistically, 15 touches is what you're looking at with Swift. Yeah, and I guess that's the what's that value of the 15 touches if that's 10 rushes and five catches that's not bad because i mean say he gets you know four and a half yards per carry then he's looking at around 50 yards and then five catches i mean at that point you know the yards are just a bonus point compared to the catches if you're playing in a ppr league Hmm. but uh, i mean say he gets five catches for 20 yards then you're looking at let's see on the reception side two and a half 20 Four and a half. That's why I'm trying to do math right now. And then, <laughs> so that's like almost 10 fantasy points. 
And that, you know, that's a, that's a startable player. And, that, and Swift should have had three touchdowns last week. He only had one. He got down on the one-yard line twice. And that's also something to consider because once they're on the goal line, it's not him getting the ball. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be Hurts. So I, I think in... I've, I called this segment, which guy is he? Is he week one or week two? I think in the case of DeAndre Swift, he's probably neither. He's somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the middle, but for the case of your question, he's more. it is more likely he will look like week one than week two. I think that's probably correct. Yeah, unfortunately, but it do be that way. We, weirdly, I, these will be his high and his low points of the season. Yeah, he'll never have more than 26 fantasy points, yeah. like how he has. He probably will never have point eight, but five five fantasy points, which I don't think we would be surprised to see that out of him, is uh, much more likely than 25. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Another guy who's in a crowded backfield, and I think the answer to this is probably going to be more week two than week one. Tyler Algier, Tyler Algier, 22.9 points week one, uh, 4.8 points week two. This is a, a two-headed monster of the backfield. We've seen Bajan Robinson have 17 and 19 points. For me, Algier is not startable. He has gotten six, uh, 15 carries and 16 carries in both weeks. You're going to get 15 touches out of Tyler. What he does with it, it leaves me leaves to be desired. I mean, he averaged three yards per carry against the uh, the Packers. Not ideal. You definitely want to stash Tyler Algier, and he's probably going to be a bye week type of flex type of person. Yep, I'd agree with that. Doesn't catch the ball, but they don't really pass it in that offense either. Yeah. My concern is game script. I. They do have a pretty easy schedule. Which is They're nice. At Detroit, at Jacksonville. They sh- they probably will be, won't be playing from ahead in those ones. Houston, Washington, Tampa Bay, Tennessee, Minnesota, Arizona. I think, the, I think there's a, a very real possibility to get game scripted out more often than not. It looks like they are committed to running the football. Yep. Whether they're winning or not, they will run that football. And uh, you know what? To be honest, I don't think there's too many games where they'll get games scripted out all the way until the bye week. Week 10. Yeah, they got a late bye. Yeah, so, I mean, other than, you know, after the bye week, week 10, they got the Saints, Jets, Tampa Bay. But then after that, they got, you know, Carolina, Indianapolis for playoff weekend. Um, yeah, to be honest, I don't see them getting games scripted out of too many games. He's one to watch. I think if he keeps getting those 15, 16 touches, I, I can see Detroit and Jacksonville beating him pretty comfortably. If he's still getting above 10 touches or around that 15, 16 touch mark, then, you know, game script proof. Yeah, absolutely. Now, him getting five fantasy points, I think is a little low. Uh, but I think also 23 fantasy points is a little high. I think, but to answer the question, he is more likely to be on the lower end than the higher end. He is definitely a touchdown-dependent running back. I think so. I think I think this is kind of his flaw, in a sense. It's yeah. 40, 48 yards, no touchdown, no catches. Yeah, that's his floor. And that's not, it's not that bad of a floor. No. No, it's not like you're looking at um, a true backup who might get one or two points. Yeah. Yes. Let's talk about a couple of players here. And okay. I suppose the, the overarching question going into this is, this was a weird game. Is this just a weird game? So Travis Etienne, week one, 18.9 points. This week, 5.2 points. Calvin Ridley, 16.1 points. Sorry, let me go to half point PPR. Week one, 20.1 points, 4.2 points this week. Travis Etienne, I think he's more likely on the first week than the second week. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. 12, 12 carries is low on his end. Of course, he won't be playing the Kansas City Chiefs 
Not until they make the playoffs. So I'm not necessarily worried about that type of game script. And even then, they didn't really game, get game script out of running the ball. They just didn't have success doing so they for whatever reason. Won that game. They probably they they definitely could have won that game. Uh, it, he's not going to have 12 carries for 40 yards, averaging a what is that? 2.7 yards per carry. That's not going to happen. And he's not going to have three through two receptions for two yards. That's not going to happen either. Um, he's definitely more likely to be on the first week than the second week. They are spreading that ball around big time, which is oh, yes. I'm really not that worried about Christian Kirk or um, Calvin Ridley. Like Kirk, uh, Kirk this week, 11 receptions on 14 targets, 110 yards. Christian Kirk, start him, start him, start him. He's going to get the cornerback two most weeks. Or the slot, slot corner. Yeah, and Cal- Calvin Ridley does look good. Uh, I think both of them are still in the must-start yep. must category at this point right now. That offense has enough to feed everybody in that offense. I think uh, you, they're both on the higher-end side of the upside rather than the lower-end side. Well, speaking of enough to go around to, to feed all the mouths, Zay Jones, 14 fantasy points, wide receiver 18 week one. Now, he laid a goose egg this week. But did you watch any of the game? Yes, a little bit. Nothing too crazy. He had two touchdowns slightly overthrown to him where he couldn't get his feet down in the end zone. So his zero catches on six targets included, I think, three or four red zone targets and could have easily been two touchdowns and 45 yards for the day. Yes, he also left. Yeah, go ahead. He also in this offense. There's a lot of points. Uh, Zay Jones is not going to be the one where I uh, count on it, though. He didn't no. leave the beginning of the game in the first half. He's he'd be an interesting wide receiver handcuff that you don't normally have. I'm not saying put. I'm not saying keep him on his roster. Keep him on your roster to handcuff him. But if you're in a bye week and you're like, oh shit, who can I start? Zay Jones out there. I think you can really do worse than Zay Jones. It's not that bad. Is he's not that bad of like a, for example a bye week plug and play and hope for the you know big play best. I mean he is rostered in Yahoo fifty percent of leagues. Yep. I think that I think it'll drop a little bit after this that goose egg, but yeah, you you are correct. There is a lot of the football to go around on this yep. team, and uh, you can do worse than Zay Jones. He's day to day with a knee injury, which obviously doesn't work that well. But well, Austin Eckler was also day to day, and now he's potentially missing multiple weeks that could go onto the IR. Yeah, no, it's bullshit. It's mm-hmm. absolute bullshit. Um, we talked about the Falcons, hot and cold, Drake, London, goose egg, and then 15.7 this week, touchdown dependent. Brees Hall, you said? Uh, Drake, London. Drake, London. It's hard for a wide receiver to be touchdown dependent. Yep. But he might be touchdown dependent. God, it's a tough one. That's a tough take. Yeah. Yeah, because he's not going to get the yards. Unless he breaks a big one, he's not going to get the yards. He is a good little intermediate drag, uh, shallow crossing route, out route, corner route type of player. Not necessarily that big play type of threat. I'd like to see them try and get the ball in his hands closer to the line of scrimmage and let him do something. He's ve- he's very good runner. Um, for You're right, for a guy his size, he probably doesn't win downfield as much as you'd like to see I don't think that's necessarily a knock on him I just think he doesn't quite play to his size but yeah, it's, it's just yeah. it, how much of a priority are they going to make getting him the football I mean when he had one target for zero catches they won 24 to 10 and when they won by one point you know he had six catches 67 yards and a touchdown but Against Detroit, they're definitely going to have to put up points against Detroit because Detroit will put up points. Yeah. Uh, I, expe- I expect big games out of him. The big games are going to come whether they're predictable. It's going to be a little bit thing. more. Because predictability yeah. is what we're about. It's, e- it's would... easy to say the big games are going to come. I, I think he's a guy you're not going to know when to start. You're not going to know when to start, so you're probably just going to start him regardless. Speaking of, and I'm not saying we dovetail into this for the conversation, based on our discussion last week about Gabe Davis, yes, 
where you were like, this is the week where you don't start him, he blows up, and you start him the next week, and he does nothing. I started oh. him. So, uh, he had a touchdown, and I, I don't know how many yards, points. yeah. Touchdown, 92 Sorry. yards. 18. Basi- right. Basically, because you said, this is the week to start him, don't start him next week. Yeah. I was like, you, yeah, against your better judgment, you start Gabe Davis. Nice job. Yeah. Nice job. Yeah, I remember him uh, scoring. I mean, it, he had a good matchup against the Raiders, to be fair. Uh, yeah, and congratulations. You're going to start him next week, and it's not going to work out. Hmm. Yeah. No, I'm not going to start him. No, I would uh, We've played this game. Brees Hall. We teased him. So I'm going to start with a bit of root maths, which is a cricketing phrase. And basically that means to take away any outliers to give yourself some stats that fit your narrative and it's it's sort of bad faith statistical analysis but Brees Hall week 1 15.2 points uh, finished the RB9 10 attempts 127 yards 1 reception on 2 targets 20 yards had a fumble but broke an 83 yard run take off that he had 44 yards on 9 attempts that's still pretty good not bad and that, that 20 yards this week, four attempts for nine yards. No catches on two targets. He's splitting the first week. Um, Dalvin Cook was the out-and-out leader of the backfield with 50% of the touches. This week, it really was a three-headed monster. All of the running backs had about 33% uh, of the of the snaps. They've got New England, Kansas City. They're going to be 0-4. They're going to be 1-3. and one and three. Um with an element of parochialism in it there. What are you, what are you doing with Brees Hall? You kind of have to start him, but I feel like they're not willing to put him on the field in games they don't think they could win. I think they're just really limiting his usage right now and making sure that he doesn't come back too early, take on too big of a little too early. And to be fair, like I don't really see it too much of a point of just working him into the ground when it's not necessary. That's what Dalvin Cook's job is right now. But even then, I mean, they, they got game scripted out of running the ball, and it was expected to happen against Dallas. Like, Dallas, phenomenal defensive line right now. Not many teams are expected to run the ball well against them. Mm. I'm not going to knock the Jets too much. For one, not using Brees Hall this game. Two, the lack of production out of all three running backs this game. I, I think it's just kind of a take the L, move on to the next one. The next one's New England. And that's also going to be tough. Like, I don't expect much out of that either. It's a tough division. I was going... Well, this is where I was going to go with the discussion of do you trust him enough to start him against New England? Because I think the game script is going to be against him. I think basically until the bye week, you're not going to see much Brees Hall. And on the flip side, New England got absolutely gashed by um, Raheem Mostert. They didn't look like they could stop him very different sort of running scheme very different sort of running back like what's the range of outcomes here is it what's what's more likely Brees Hall gets three points or fewer ten points or more I think it's more likely he gets ten points or more really yes yes Uh, I I I think they're definitely going to make a much more emphasis in getting him the football in his hands whether it's a screen pass whether it's just handing him the football and say, hey, just figure something out. Because this is a winnable game for the Jets. I yep. think they're going to go all in on this game and say, hey, you know what? The rivalry game, if there's a game we win, let's just make it this one. Especially after last year when I think they lost, what, 9-3 to off of a kickoff return for or punt return for a touchdown? Yep. I, th- I think this game is going to be a little bit more on the personal side for the, the, the Jets. I think so. I, the Jets haven't beaten the Patriots in a long time. Um, yeah. For good reason. I don't think they're going to want the Patriots defensive line teeing off on Zach Wilson. Because that'll get nasty quickly, if that's the case. I don't know. I think it's a I think it's a low scorer for Brees Hall here. But you're right. This is a game they should win. This is a game they should put the chi- push the chips into the table and try to win. Yeah. I mean, it, you're probably starting Brees Hall, but if this was not the top 10 and he was in the top 10, I'd be dropping him out. I won't also, blame you for that. Also, good call on me taking Tyreek Hill out of the top 10 last week. You took him out, right? Yeah. 
Yes, yes, you did. Mm. I didn't have the balls for that. Well, nice job. Who else is on my Who else is on my list to talk about here? I've got Nico Collins. I think that's going to be based on them playing from behind. He looks like the number one in that offense. They he look looks like good. They're going to throw it a lot. Yeah, I don't mind him. I think you start him. Yeah, you start him. Uh, I think his week two is probably going to be the real version of Nico Collins. Yeah, maybe not I think to that, looking... that points, but like 60, 60 to seventy yards and a touchdown most weeks. That that sounds pretty realistic for him. I think he could hit double double digit touchdowns. You know what? That's a that's a good take right there. I like it a lot. Um, George Pickens, with Deontay Johnson out, he looks like he's the one for Pittsburgh for the foreseeable future. Yeah, Deontay Johnson. He got put on the IR, I believe. Yes. Which makes it so. I mean, uh, George Pickens looks like a one very explosive receiver, very good receiver. I expect him to be uh, the the focal point of that offense, especially if they can't run the ball like how they they currently have been. Fun fact, Nico Collins, as I looked it up right now, he is rostered in 60 62% of leagues. I think that's going to change significantly pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, uh, I know, unfortunately, this episode is going to come out well after Waiver Wire does. I think so I'm curious to see him, the change. Him. Yeah, especially if you're in a competitive league. If you don't have him, that's it. Sorry, buddy. But a boy. Anyone else you want to talk about? I will, I will give special mention to our mate, Josh Reynolds, who has looked really good for Detroit through two weeks. Oh, oh, yeah. Speaking of, I, I threw, a, I threw a, I, you know what? I'm desperate right now. I don't have a receiver, Josh Reynolds. Please save my ass. <laughs> and it worked out. I was pretty happy about that. Yeah, he's he was really. I, st- really I good. still lost that points. week. Actually, I still lost that week. Yeah, I ended. I still lost that week, but uh, he was my best player. He was my highest scoring. I I had Anthony Richardson. I started him, and then he got hurt. Yeah, that's that's a nasty. Yeah. You think he plays this week? Yeah, I think he plays. Yeah, AJ Brown. Yeah. I think Dip they. Your... Uh, I think they sit him. So a little a little more mentions that we could talk about. Uh, we could talk about AJ Brown. We could talk about the Jamar Chase and just that offense in general. I've got no worries with either of them. I think you're starting them. You're starting them regardless. That's it. You're, you're, you're you're starting you are taking them. them. You're starting. So it, it makes it difficult to talk about them because you're starting them regardless. And I think, uh, what, what did, how did Chase go this week? Uh, not very good. I don't think he dropped a donut, but damn near close. I think part of that is a function of them force feeding T Higgins after Higgins didn't get a touch in week one. Well, I mean, you sometimes you just got to play the matchup. Yeah. Baltimore. They probably had some specific to make sure Jamar Chase isn't the one that beats him. And hey, congratulations! You take Chase out, you got Higgins. You take Higgins out, you got Boyd. I don't know how Boyd did exactly. I'm looking that up as we speak. Tyler Boyd. He had, I mean, six receptions for 52 yards. That's not too shabby in himself. I mean, they they just got a lot of weapons on that roster, and teams kind of have to try to isolate somebody out of that roster to take out of the game and I mean more often than not it's probably going to be Jamar Chase 17 targets through two weeks I'm not worried about that no not at all it's just sometimes the quality of targets aren't very good but you're starting Jamar Chase regardless so it doesn't matter yep yeah absolutely um I I think at this stage I don't think there's anyone who's really Anyone who's really blown up that we haven't talked about or had a real quiet game that we haven't talked about that I'm worried about? Yes. Um, you know, someone like Isaiah Hodgins on the Giants, less uh, 0.9 points week one, 12 points week two. You're probably not starting him anyway. Yeah, I wouldn't. Um, we'll talk about next week, we'll talk about not bounce-back candidates necessarily, but, you know, guys who've probably had three shit weeks. And go, yeah. well, what do I, what do I do with this guy? Yeah, I think I think we're going to start talking about cutting bait, moving on with your life, and people you're going to want to stick around for. I'll give you a name in terms of the, is that who he is now? Tutu Atwell. I think we've, I mean, we've talked about Stafford's hyperfixation already. 
he's not going to mean anything when Cup comes back. But he's had 14.9 points, 11.7 points through two games. Um, that translates to, sorry, let me get the game log up. Eight targets, nine targets, eight targets, six catches, 119 in week one. Seven yes. receptions, nine targets, 77 catches week two. I mean, right now, with the atmosphere of the Rams and the fact that they haven't been able to really run the ball that well, mm-hmm. they, they, they're just throwing it. They're throwing yep. it. And, I mean, 20 targets is not unrealistic for one receiver right now on the Rams. No. It's, 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 if they're throwing the ball 50 times a game, like that, it, there is more than enough the ball. They go around, so there is more than one fantasy relevant player. It's just when Cup comes back, how does that change the dynamic? And do they go at the Rams, go after another running back to try to create a ground game for themselves? Yep. I, uh, I agree. I think at this point they're running through the air. They're fine with that. They just want to move the ball. They're not yeah. going to be precious about it. Yeah, like right now I'm trying to – I mean, Stafford threw the ball 55 times yesterday. Or not yesterday, Sunday. And he completed 34 of them. I mean, even if 20 of them or over 20 of them went to uh, mm-hmm. mini Jerry Rice, Samoan Jerry Rice. I mean, that's <laughs> another 10 targets to 2-2 two, two Atwell. And, of course, I mean, that just equals a phenomenal or solid fantasy performance. Yeah. Last name I'm going to give you in terms okay. of player who has had a good week and a shit week, but I think is probably startable this week, Kendrick Bourne. Week one, 11 targets, 64 catches, two touchdowns. Week two, nine targets, four receptions, 29. Um, he's not going to get Source Gardner for company on Sunday. He's going to play mostly inside. Um, I think he's a, he's a really good option. Um, I think he's going to see a lot of the ball. And, you know, nine targets is nothing to be sneezed at. I don't think he's just getting the ball properly enough. Like, nine targets, yes, but four receptions, it just means there's five really bad targets, whether it's throwaways where he just was in the vicinity. Yeah. Overthrow. It's tough. He's definitely worth rostering. I'm not sure I would start him. I'm of the mind that if he's on your roster, you're starting him, because why else would he be on your roster? Like by weeks, yeah. I mean, I get that, but we're not that far into the season. I'm thinking more now of like if you believe in him enough to pick him up, then you start him. And I think he's probably not startable every week. I do think he is this week, though. Against the Jets, Jets. that's a tough one. Forty-two percent rostered. I definitely expect that to go up as uh, waiver wires pass, and Mm -hmm. as we start getting more news on receivers and their injuries. I'm not ready to start him just yet. But then again, after that, he goes against Dallas, New Orleans. And then he starts looking at Vegas, Buffalo, Miami, Washington, Indianapolis. A little bit more abusable matchups. Yeah. I'm yeah, not I, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure I'm ready to start him, but I, I wouldn't mind him on my roster. I think this is a, a situation he's startable this week. He won't be next week. So it's kind of a case of get the points now. Don't get sucked into it. I would rather born than Tutu Awo. Uh, is that a hot take? I don't think it's a hot take necessarily. I would probably Sensei. rather... In general, on my on... roster. In general, on my roster. Not necessarily just for this week. In general, yes. I think for this week, I would rather... Um, I would rather Tutu Atwell. Yeah, against Cincinnati. How much they're throwing the ball. Yeah, Cincinnati and Indianapolis in the next two matchups. Definitely matchups I would like 2-2 on my roster to try to abuse Philadelphia after that, but I'm not sure on that one, how you would like to attack it. But is there anybody else you want to talk about? I don't think so. Let's go to the two-minute drill. We're almost Uh, an hour. Shoot. I don't even have the list in front of me. Well, while you're looking for it, let me get my... How rude. You didn't send it to me. Actually, did you did. I did send it to you. That's what I was going to say. I thought so. So, what am I looking forward to watching this week? Well, first and foremost, I'm kind of keen to see how the Jags bounce back. As we talked about, there's a lot to like about that offense, and I think that Jags-Texans game could really be a shootout. 
it's definitely a red zone game if i was planning to multiple screen it i would be multiple screening it but of course jets patriots on at the same time so they will have the right of way on my tv but i'm super excited i think there's going to be a lot of fantasy points there and i think there's going to be a lot of fantasy points in those matchups all season i think this week was an aberration for the jags uh that was just a real weird game and i think there's some weirdness going on with kansas city as well seahawks panthers i'm intrigued about i think we're hoping for a big game finally from dk metcalf had his ribs rattled on sunday uh, and didn't really have the impact we might have liked him to see but i think again that should be a, a really good game for the seahawks there it's a bit of a weird week of matchups in a sense because i think there's going to be a lot of uh, low scoring games or a lot of uh, really high scoring games i guess you could say that most weeks um, but I think there's it's it's sort of a week for blowouts. Like I could see the the Dolphins blowing out the Broncos. I don't know what's going on with the Broncos' offense, and, and truth be told, I don't really care. Vikings Chargers should be a a pretty healthy fantasy point game as well. Both of those teams need a win. They need they they just need to get on the board uh, because the season is slipping away very very quickly um, if they don't get one soon. Last game I want to talk about is Lions-Falcons. Again, that should be a fantasy point bonanza. I'm excited to watch the Lions. I look forward to watching them. Um, I've missed them live the last couple of weeks. So, again, Lions-Falcons, give me, give me, give me. And, of course, the Patriots going to continue that streak over the Jets. All right, baby, after the two-minute trail, let me hear start. Boom, baby. The Saints and the Packers. I think this is going to be the best game of the week. I think it's going to be the most consistent, evenly placed teams because we are both going to measure how good, one, Jordan Love is because he's going to go against an elite defense and how good Derek Carr is going against a probably a better defense and in a a game where Derek Carr is going to have to put up more than 16 points. uh, That might be a little bit of a struggle for him consistently considering he doesn't like doing that. Now, of course, another game of which one's stronger, Thor the Viking or the lightning bolt in himself. Let me spoiler that for you. Neither, but I think Thor wins just because for some reason lightning doesn't like winning. Lightning, it, it, they just don't win. They, <laughs> they, they just don't. I don't understand. They just don't. And then you got this. You got, you got the Panthers who one not only not like running the correct routes if you're a wide receiver, but just not getting open if you are the receiver it's like it's like you're allergic to getting open on the offensive side if you're a panthers fan or a panthers wide receiver and then of course the seattle seahawks are just gonna have no issues getting open against the panthers i try every time i look at animal matchups i try to ask myself who would win in the animal matchup and then that's where i grew for and uh um yeah the panthers are an apex predator in that aspect but they're still gonna lose this game uh, unfortunately so I had to forego my my theory, and unfortunately, you are correct. Right now, it, in these matchups, it, they're all going to be blowouts. They're all going to be absolute blowouts, and I say that, and I'm probably going to be wrong, and I really hope I'm wrong. But starting from Thursday night football, all the way, all the way until Monday night. Monday night's probably going to be the best game of the week, other than the Saints and Packers. I mean, Texans, Jaguars, Texans should dominate. I mean, sorry, Jaguars should dominate. Broncos, Dolphins, Dolphins should handle it. Uh, God, Patriots, Jets, that might be just disastrous. That game will be an email. I'm telling you, when that game is done, it should have been an email. But other than that, I'm uh, I'm not exactly excited for this week. It's it's a tough old week, this one, isn't it? I mean, of course, it's going to be close games. Like, in the early window, you've got Browns and Titans. That'll probably be like 18 to 21. That's a witching hour game. Um, yeah. Packers Saints will be a witching hour game. Um, Jets Patriots will be a witching hour game. But I think there's going to be, as I say, there's going to be a lot of blowouts. You got a prognostication for me? Deshaun Watson will have two passing touchdowns. That's terrible. That's not a prognostication. <laughs> the way he's playing, it is. Um, <laughs> let's see. Let's see if I can give a, if I can give you a better one. All right, seven touchdowns. Seven running back touchdowns in the Vikings-Chargers game. Seven running back touchdowns. Total, yes, from both teams. That's 
that's a lot. I'm gonna say Vikings Chargers, Jags Texans. Okay. Lions Falcons. Between those three games. Okay. Two hundred points. Between those three games, two hundred points. So each one of them gonna average about seventy five total. Less than sixty five. Close enough. Get wrecked. Uh, doable. All right. I agree. Cool. All right. So that's going to wrap up this episode. Of course, I am now. You can find me on X at Top Tier Tactics with an underscore. Sheehan, where can everybody find you? You can find me on X. I am at Sheehan Solo. You can listen to Screen Pass Podcast. It's a podcast about American football, books, movies, TV, games, all that sort of stuff. You can find that wherever you get your podcast. Um, how you doing with your, your YouTube? It's pretty good, actually. I hit, I hit, I think, let me check right now. I think I hit over 700 subscribers. I was actually about to record a video. Um, but, yeah, I hit, I'm at 709. Woo, let's go, baby. Let's go. It's It's been really entertaining. You get to eat. You get to eat YouTube for Madden advice and tips. Uh, I think it's been really, I have been enjoying this year's Madden a lot more than every other Madden so far. I'm looking forward to playing it. I'm not going to rush out and buy it, but I'm looking forward to playing it. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair assessment. But all right, other than that, hey, good luck, everybody. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready for all today.